And in fact, no theory we have has a good quantifiable explanation for consciousness. I mean, it really just starts with the philosophical implications of it. The philosophical implications of that the observer is the observed, you know, that we're one and the same. It automatically imposes a directive that there should be equality at all levels of any kind of interaction between beings, you know, and that there's a, a respect and a reverence that is afforded to you by virtue of your existence, you know, and that your rights are not something that, you know, uh, you have to have enough money to, to, to be able to afford, um, that they're given to you. This idea that you don't get to eat in the tribe because you didn't hunt. As you can hear, we're about to find out what a science-inspired theology might look like. Let's get into it. Right. So um, I think about this stuff all the time in terms of just how that then translates into the human experience, right? So what does it mean to have an imagination given that, you know, given that understanding? What does it mean to have an identity given that understanding? I, I remember, um, you know, kind of doing a deep dive into some of this stuff as much as I could, by the way, which wasn't, you know, all that scholarly, but a little bit of a deep dive into some of this stuff a bunch of years ago. And one of the points that they made is that, you know, this might explain you know, some really interesting mental illnesses, like, for example, schizophrenia, where, um, where you have people who, you know, have a disease that may have put them in an uplifted place in other societies, right? You think about the great seers of Greece and things like that, who are often people who are mentally ill, and who are interacting with the world in a really different way. And maybe they're not crazy at all. But in fact, they're kind of seeing the world in the nonlinear way that it really exists. And so we're interpreting their behavior as crazy, but it's really not crazy at all. They've got the more um, truthful understanding of reality. It's just that when they express it to us, because we're living in this illusion, their expressions seem crazy, right? So there's that kind of extreme of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, my mother is a mental health practitioner and she had a similar theory about it. Um, You know, what we know is the brain is just kind of like a thing that exists in in a box, um, we get feed, we get information, we get electrical impulses from the, the framework that it's in, the body. And then the brain does all its interpretation inside. And some parts of the brain get lit up more than others, depending on how your neural networks are set up. Some people have right. you know, extensive activity in the dopamine areas of the brain. Um, that kind of activity and the right temporal lobe tend to you know, give you things like uh, what, what's termed as hallucinations. Yeah. Um, whether or not that is a way of interpreting something that is there or, you know, or, or maybe it's actually not even an interpretation. Maybe that is a level of reality that most aren't in touch with. Like, um, you know, we can only see a small bit of the visible light spectrum. You know, yeah. maybe we have a small area of, um, of understanding of reality in general, of, of, of how to congeal the sensory information in a way that gives us a truthful picture. I don't know. I mean, that, that's a very, because that gets into uh, more of a qualitative look at, at things. 
um, which is very hard because you have to ask the question like the really hard question is what is consciousness? Right. And, and then what theory? What theory that we have that's available to us either mathematically or in terms of uh, theoretical physics accounts for that? Because right now where we are with, with everything in terms of um, neurology, we're trying to just kind of have a, an engineering-like perspective on what the brain is and how it works, albeit at the, at the smallest, smallest levels that we can possibly see at the, at the, at the neuronal levels. You know, and trying to model that and seeing we can build AIs on the basis of the way neurons, neurons spike. By the way, we don't have a really good mathematical framework for representing spikes either. Um, but we'll try to model it, and we'll try to model it with, uh, with the, you know, in silicon or whatever. And uh, we can get a good approximation. And then there's this sort of a dumbing down of what a human is. And, you know, your personality is just a gooey running on top of a brain, you know. <laughs> how, would you know how would you even that's, know that? That's the transhumanist what, what way of looking at she, it. She, yeah, the transhumanist wants that. And What's transhumanist? What's transhumanist? It's, a, it's, another, it's another philosophy slash, I would say, borderline religiosity perspective that has sort of been born in Silicon Valley and spread all over the net denizens who are consider themselves to be tech forward. It's the idea that you can eventually become a ghost in the shell. Like you can transfer your consciousness into the machine. Uh, okay. And, yeah. and at the same time, like, you know, so people who believe in that, they're like pro AIs. They're pro, they're not, they're not scared of uh, an AI God, you know, like you know, yeah. I created man. Man, not, kill God. Not, and not only can you transfer your consciousness, you, you should They're not afraid God. of that at all. <laughs> yeah, they, they want it. They want it. <laughs> they crave it. Yeah, it's yeah. – uh, and, 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 you know, you can you get into debates with, with people about this stuff. Like when, he, when, when Musk released his, uh, his latest iteration of his, of his BCI, of his, his yeah. brain-computer interface, um, by the way, it's, 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 it's pretty – his underlying theory of why he's doing it is nonsensical to me. Like it's the idea that that there is a a margin of humanity. There's a margin of a human in the loop that will save us from converging to a full AI state. I really don't know what that margin is. I don't know a formula for it. I don't know how you quantify it. I don't know what he's talking about. You know, <laughs> yes, you want to make cyborgs. I get it. Right, but don't tell us you're making cyborgs because that's the last line of defense against the AI God. Because sooner or later, the machine parts that have been swapped out in the person's brain, and you know it's going to be focused on the brain because that's what we're competing against machines with right. computation. Um, right. The parts they're going to swap out, they're eventually going to realize that the organic parts, that the genetic algorithm somehow is just not efficient enough. You know. Sure. Uh, the only thing I can say about genetic algorithms is that they burn a lot less energy. Um, there's yeah. really no level. There's really no limiting factor on the level of energy the machine computation can do. Blockchains are perfect examples of that. Blockchains will suck as much energy as they possibly can. All right, yeah. you know, if if left to their own devices, you know, if Bitcoin went past 21 million coins, you know, you could expect a network to be playing a ridiculous hash game because that's 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 what they're running on their computers they're running these mathematical functions that really heat up machines and with there being no upper boundary on that like you know whatever the whatever the, the problem is that the computer is working on it's very greedy it will keep consuming energy 
So we can't we can't say that machines are more efficient in terms of their energy use. You right. can't say that yet. So there may be some biological efficiency that uh, you know we, I I don't know that we've really quantified what that looks like. But biological systems may be more efficient at solving certain problems. I tell you one thing: it seems like biological systems are way more elegant. There's an elegance Absolutely. to the way the solution is solved. It takes a lot of time, but what is time? You know. Yeah. For humans, we have no time, so we want to we want to get the answer quick. We want to run the machine hard. We want to run it fast. But for biological systems, it can take its time, and right. it, and it does seem and this is a little bit off on a, ta- on a tangent, but it does seem like like biological systems are to some extent concerned with cons- conservation of energy. That uh, conservation of energy is an important part of. Whatever the universe is evolving into being, we know the right. universe is subject to the second law of thermodynamics, that it's anthropic by nature. But, you know, it does seem that like biological systems at their best are very good at conserving that energy and recycling that energy and using that energy in a very efficient way. And it's not been clear to me that machines like necessarily have the same directives. Maybe someone has to program it, that into a machine. But right. that being said, you know, sort of like uh, recruiting out of that. You know, what Elon is doing over there, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense because we haven't really quantified consciousness. Right. And until we have a way of looking at that, like there's been a couple different ways. There's been the mathematical phi function where like, oh, consciousness exists at every level. You know, it just depends on the density of the network. It exists at subatomic levels and it's just networks and you build them up and build them up. It's a very Buddhist way of looking at it. Yeah. And you say, all right, well, is the universe consciousness? I mean, if it's highly connected and, uh, you know, uh, it's very vast, is it conscious? You know, what is kind of galaxy conscious? You know, I, you know, how do you, how do you measure that? Um, yeah. And then there's the idea like, um, you know, we exist in a consciousness based universe. That's many worlds. Right. So if you have a infinite probability of different things that can exist because there's a multiverse, there must be at least one that exists that can support that can support consciousness, a consciousness based universe. Right. But that would actually be in conflict with non-locality. How so? Because uh, many worlds comes out of the idea that quantum wave function can be interpreted in many different ways, that there's many different versions of yourself in many different universes. Whereas non-locality says that there is a precise configuration. There is a precise configuration based on the pilot wave. And it doesn't leave room for the many worlds interpretation. There's a, good, there's a show. It's not really good. It's called Devs, and it's about that. Uh-huh. In Devs, they have a, you know, some kind of like, you know, souped-up quantum computer that can simulate very high-dimensional systems, and they decide to start modeling our world. And uh, it's holographic by nature, but they, you know, they increase the processing power and it seems like it can actually not only simulate, but it is the world. It is exactly the world and it starts predicting things and it can go, you can run it in, in, in the past and you can run it in the future and, you know, it's, it's very accurate. But there's uh, this one, um, I guess he's a young coder. Um, I'm actually not even sure if it's a he character, not even a non-binary character, but the character comes up with the solution uh, because he couldn't make, or he or she couldn't make many worlds work. So the character decided to use Du Bois Brahms' version with the pilot wave and said that, uh, uh, I, actually, um, actually that, that was not how it went. It went in reverse. So the creator of it, he wanted to go with the pilot wave because he was trying to bring back his daughter 
So he believed that if he was able to resurrect his daughter inside of the hologram, that it was actually her because it was only one version of the universe. And uh, this, this other coder came up with this version, like, I got to do many worlds, you know? And so the many worlds version apparently worked. So apparently the creator of the series really likes the many worlds version of the universe. And it, it makes sense because it supports the, the existence of a, of a consciousness-based universe. And so you're unique in that sense. But it's not like non-locality doesn't say you're unique. It says exactly that. Yeah. It just doesn't have a good explanation for consciousness. And in oh. fact, no theory we have has a good quantifiable explanation for consciousness. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> And, and it's like, you know, and I've been in these debates with these uh, computer science people who are very pro-AI, and their argument is, you know, some of, the, some of these guys that I've been talking with, and it's mostly guys, you know, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're actually Japanese, and I found a really interesting correlation there. And it's because I think in some of... And some one of one of their systems of belief. Well, first of all, they have an ancestor system of belief. They actually do believe in in spirits, and they do believe that spirits can transcend into machines. And so, the idea that you can have a spirit inside of a machine, a ghost in a shell, is a very it's not a novel concept to them. It's something that right. you can totally see happening. But right. The problem is you just can't quantify it. Right. I know that. I know that Andre has a soul if I have a soul. And if he has a soul, I have a soul because we have similar backgrounds. Right. You know? we, we were cousins and we grew up together. Like, so our stories are very similar. You know? But somebody might come along and say, well, how do you know that? How do you know that you guys aren't just clones? You know, <laughs> some kind of simulated memory system that none of that happened. You know? You know, we take you, it for granted that that's true. Yeah, so this is yeah. where consciousness gets into a big gray area. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. All right, so um, I'm a little left in the dust. What do you want to say, Dre? <laughs> so like no, I was just going to say like, like uh, we should get into the weeds of uh, all right. So premise being, you know, society collapses, or somehow you're engineering a society or a culture from the ground up. And you're going to use this theorem as part of the fundamental basis of the new religion. Yeah, I now, think. What, what are the moral implications of something like that? Pro, pro and con. I, I mean, it really <laughs> starts with the philosophical implications of it. The yeah. philosophical implications of that the observer is the observed. You know that we're one and the same. It automatically Im- imposes a directive that there should be equality at all levels of any kind of interaction between beings. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that there's a a respect and a reverence that is afforded to you by virtue of your existence, you know, and that your rights are not something that, you know, uh, you have to have enough money to, to, to be able to afford um, that they're given to you. This idea that you don't get to eat in the tribe because you didn't hunt and all that, that goes out the window. Like you're right. here, you exist. I exist. We're only here in this form for a short period of time, but we're all mutually connected. We're all interdependent. And 
you know, if I don't, if you don't have your rights, I don't have my rights. And that's right. like just a basic philosophical precept, and it, it extends beyond humans, obviously. But yeah. if we start then creating systems of value out of that, like the system of value that we have is extremely extrinsic. It, it works for maintaining power structures as they are. Like, okay, here's this thing, this carrot I'm dangling, dangling on the end of uh, a string for you. Keep jumping for it. Maybe I might let you get a little piece of it. You know, and then when you get that little piece, there's some other stuff down the block that you just have to have because you're not important unless you have these things. If you don't have some level of materialism in your life, you know, and so it, the system self perpetuates, and it's all based on on external values of you know just an externalization of your value system. So your worth, um, your worth as an individual, is something that you actually have to uh, go out. And uh, and fight for. You, yeah, you have to prove you, you are worthy to, of existence. You have to prove that you have any worth, right? And then you have to show off that you have the worth, you know. And then and then it leads to all these other, I guess, the vagaries of society, you know, where there's going to be winners, but there's only going to be a few, and there'll be a whole bunch of losers, and you know, uh, in between people, they're losers too, but they don't really realize it until they get into, you know, uh, some situation <laughs> that they right. don't have a buffer for. And um, the whole idea that like we can let people fall, we can let people fail, um, is it goes out the window. You know, you, you you won't be able to do that because the basic philosophy that you learned from early on in school was that we we are basically our brothers keepers, we are our sisters keepers. Like you know, and if and if for no other reason, let's say you're the worst sociopath in the world, it affects you. Yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, so, okay. So when I did a dive into quantum mechanics and started thinking about how that might impact identity or something like that, one of the ideas that I kind of thought of for myself and how to conceptualize of what myself is, is that maybe there's like a prime consciousness, right? That, that there's many, many different versions of where my life could go, but I have essentially one prime consciousness that makes its way through, you know, time and space as I see it. And at any given moment, you know, I could be jumping from one reality to another in order to maintain my life, right, in order to keep going. So, for example, when I have a near-death experience, like uh, when I almost got bit by a snake last Monday, um, there are many realities where I, in fact, was bit by the snake. I did die, but because uh, almost of a type of self-preservation, my consciousness jumped to the reality in which I wasn't bit by a snake and I got to keep going, right? So, So that's one thing. But what you're saying here is, no, 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 no. There is no self. Self is an illusion. Um, it's in fact just one big thing. The idea of you being no, no, you, there is a self. There is a very clear self. I mean, you know the the idea that that because you're part of a group, because you're a part of a system that, and that you are like the other things in the system that you're not unique. There, there. It's not true that both are, are you know are, are separate states. Okay. Um, uh, there is an impact that one has on the other. In fact, particles gain more identity by being part of a system. You okay. know, you get a better sense of your place by being in a group of people, of how unique you are. You're, in many ways, you get a better sense of yourself by even repeating what you think or debating what you think with others. Um, it's being part of the system and not just being off on your own that really cements your identity. It really cements your place. 
But that place is probably more malleable than you give it credit to be. Right. Right. Meaning what? How does that like play out? If the system reconfigures, you will reconfigure. Okay. So there isn't, um, so there is nothing says. And you have an impact on the way it reconfigures. It's just not totally re- uh, reconfiguring on the way you think it should be. Right. So like, like, uh, like, let's say you and I got together and we just started reminiscing about Andre's wedding. Right. <laughs> and I remember it one way, you remember it a different way. And our two memories clash, right. They don't seem to fit, but, but we're both right in that sense because we're both, uh, because we both experienced it in that particular way. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, that's, that's another example. Let's say we're, to, to tell you the truth, there was going to be some connection between our two experiences by virtue of the fact that we were both at the wedding, that we were both in that same box of the wedding, yeah. means that we're connected. Now, if we had different perspectives on it, we still both saw some things that we can agree on. You know, you were conducting the ceremony and I saw you doing that. Mm-hmm. So we can agree on that. There's going to be some things that we can agree on. But we'll, have, right. we'll have different perspectives on it, but we're, we can prove that we were connected because we can talk about these things that, that do connect us, these events that did connect us. Yeah, and, and those differences really should enhance the knowledge and experience of the situation rather than detract from it. Yeah, I mean, it really fills out the whole range maybe of different uh, perspectives you could have had on the event. Yeah, right. It's way, way more beneficial and way more sustainable than, say, what we have in politics right now. Where it's just one side. Yeah. yeah. One it's or like, the other. They cannot exist. And in actuality, they're not so different, you know. And you really then do have to listen to the other. Yes. You know, um, right. but I, I think it should be. Uh, so then to answer Andre's question, I think it really starts with the philosophy. All right. So you, you, have, you have physics that doesn't violate it, that supports it. You have a philosophical system of equality. Then that gets translated into your constitutions and then into your laws. And then it gets taught in schools at early ages. You've not been taught that. And then there's certain things that like society will just move away from doing. Like we're not going to promote that on whatever system of mass entertainment, mass communication, mass media. We're, We're not necessarily supporting that. Like, you know. It's, you know, we're not going to overemphasize the stuff over the individual, for example. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say it is so incredibly fascinating that that I mean, from what little I know about Hinduism, this sounds so much like it in terms of what the sense of enlightenment is and recognizing the oneness of all existence and everything else. And at the same time, India is the 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 world's most intense caste system. Right. Like, like the philosophy yeah. doesn't necessarily lead to the policy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, a I mean, continuum in like every faith, you know, you know, be your brother's keeper, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, don't cover your neighbor's wife. And like every culture uh, violates their own tenets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Buddha, I mean, he originally started out as a Hindu and, you know, he basically forked Hinduism um, at a certain point. He just realized he was, he, he was rich and he had a life that was, very materialistic and very fulfilled in that sense, and he gave it all up. But in the, at the end of his journey, he sort of learned that humility was the thing, you know, right. that he had to humble himself to the lessons of the world. And um, 
you know, a philosophy like this is very humbling. It's not that you're not an individual. It's that you're an individual and you're a group. You're right. both. They're two. Right. They're, well, you can't separate the, the fact that you're also part of the group. And if right. something happens to you, you can't separate the fact that it happened to the group too. Right. It may seem right. like it didn't, but it's very easy. Like if you start, if you just started with humans and you started knocking off humans, what's the number of humans you got to knock off before some wealthy person who's very isolated and, uh, you know, thinks that they're, uh, you know, in a place where they're completely independent, you know, where they can be a OTG or whatever off the grid, um, before that start has starts having an impact because I really do feel <laughs> it's a very short distance between that and the impact on a person who thinks that they're isolated. There is no isolation. Exactly. It's all right. interdependency. Right. It's a real big illusion. And then you can play to that pe- people because people want that. We want identity. We want our existence here to matter. It's part of, you know, we don't have immortality, but we have this moment. It's part of maximizing the moment for us. And then everything around the system of value is promoting that. It's promoting like, oh, yeah, you can be larger than life. <laughs> you're not. You're part of life. You're part of this experience. And you're connected with it. And to tell you the truth, you would actually be more rewarded if you were actually a little bit more empathic. See yeah. how you feel doing things for others. See yeah. how rewarding that is. Is it more rewarding than getting the new stuff? You know? And then start seeing if you can raise generations that are like that. Because if we have generations of people that have a different philosophy and not one that just, you know, it, it, it serves industrialism. It certainly it serves the industrialists who want to sell you stuff. But does it really serve people? No. No, it doesn't no. serve humanity at all. No. no, I mean, we've been talking about that for a while. Not just, you know, me and Dre, but also just as a country. I mean, think about all those people who, you know, vote for their taxes, right? I mean, just vote for their own individual needs and, and you know, fuck everyone else who's going to suffer because of it. But they, I know that this is the policy that's going to help me the most, right? And then just the, the, the moral impact of that, right? Like, right. it's awful. It's awful. Right, yeah, they vote, they vote for their own interests. Yeah. But uh, yeah. It's, so, it's so odd that a lot of their own interests, they're voting against, some more yeah. important components of their interests, they're just completely voting against for short-term gains. See, I mean, you will start getting in systems of economics. There are systems of economics that promote long-term existence and a higher level of existence and others which really promote short-term gain. Right. Like for one, we could, uh, we could reconfigure economies to be more energy-based. That's one version. Another version is that we can reconfigure com- uh, uh, economies to be to value humans, to value life more, to be life-based. We haven't had those iterations. Maybe they exist in sci-fi novels, but we haven't had those explored yet. We've gone from very pyramidal structures. We're still in one. We're in a form of global slavery, a global economic slavery where people enslave themselves to a dollar. Right. Right. And that's because they don't really have a good philosophy of themselves and their own self-worth. And nothing around them tells them that they're worth more except for like, Accounting. Oh, what have I got in my bank account? What right. stuff can I buy? It's just accounting. Yeah, and then right. how and how does that relate to the person next to me? <laughs> right. Am I better than the person next to you? Why are you even in competition with the person yeah. next to you? Right. Right. Exactly. You think you think you're getting over on that person next to you, but the reality is is that you're just getting over on yourself. Yeah. 
if we're, if we're an intelligent species that has solved a lot of problems of species existing on the planet, like learning how to re- resource allocate properly, we don't have issues with, with uh, people being able to eat, have a place to dwell, have healthcare taken care of, access to education. We don't have those issues. In fact, we can look around and say that we have available technologies and available supply chains that can support that. But yet, we're not implementing them. And it makes no sense. Now, uh, we're working against our own interests. And then we have these politicians who are just ugly actors standing up there telling us, you know, whatever echo chamber they think we're in. And just... You know, and then reinforcing where the right and left have more, way more in common than they have with the people who are promulgating certain beliefs, like the so-called leaders. You know, right. We could vote in our mutual interests pretty consistently across the board. And if we look right now at the political system that we have, I can't even believe that, you know, <laughs> that, that we've gotten here, like so far away from what the interests are of the people. Yeah. And the Constitution, it was a bit of an inspired document because it drew from a lot of great philosophers that came before it. But we didn't really have a philosophy of, of, the, of existence. We did not include that. Right. You know, right. That was not a part of it. And yeah, only certain a, people were real people. <laughs> right. right. And, and not even just kind of like the execution of the implementation of it, but that they're inalienable. They said that there's inalienable rights, but, you know, who are they afforded to and and where do they come from? Like, what's the underlying philosophy of it? You know, you know, right. Well, right. if I have a right, you have a right, you know, because we're basically the same. But that's not where society was. There was a lot of division in society. There was every ism you can think of. Mm-hmm. And the, the document still managed to support a lot of, like, much higher visionary ideas than than actually got executed. And here we are right now with politicians you know, claiming that they're following the constitution, but really just no. keeping their, their own party in, in play. Right. Right. Exactly. And entire swaths of the population who, you know, are, are really incredibly angry by the, by even the hint of an idea that other swaths of the population should, you know, be able to live in peace. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think that people yeah, have a problem yeah, with, with equality as an idea. It's, because, it's if you, because if someone's not equal to you, then who are you not equal to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so frustrating because uh, politics, culture, religion, economics, these are all just mental games, which means we can change the rules of the game and the purpose of the game any minute we want to. And we don't. Yeah. I mean, humanity could seriously just as, as uh, you were saying in the beginning, Josh, was that you could just go in a different direction, right? Yeah. You know, and at a certain point of realization, that's why I like that documentary to the zeitgeist because, you know, uh, when it came out, a lot of people, I had been telling people about, you know, money is out of thin air and all this other stuff. Right. You know, dollars lost 95% of its value and people like, uh, whatever. They take my dollar down the store. But the documentary, because anything in the visual medium, especially like stuff that's visual and audio, is so impactful. When they saw that documentary, they were like, oh, I get it. But yep. it also, also at the same time, we needed to have the banks fail and get bailed and everybody's sitting around outside of their homes like, why? And how do we get here? And, you know? and then the stock comes out and it says, yeah, the problem is this and that. And really the problem is economics. And economics, 
runs around pretending to be a scientist couldn't be further from the truth. Like mathematicians don't even want Nobel Prizes because not only because mathematics is something you probably shouldn't be getting a prize for, you know, um, they have their own fields award though, but they, no one, no one gives out a, there was no mathematics, Nobel prize, but there is a mathematic, there is an ec, uh, economics Nobel prize. And yeah. it always looks like econometrics. It always looks mathematical. It always tries to be scientific. And, it, and it's always, it's, it's always not consistent because there's all these black swan events. There's, there's things that happen with number series that, you can't you can't incorporate in your numerical system for economics. But the biggest thing that happens is entropy, and that is the source of all of this stuff. It's mm-hmm. energy. Every basic you know second semester engineer knows that the fundamental problem with economics is the second law of thermodynamics. It's it's all about energy. It's all about this is the reason why markets succeed and fail cyclically. You can look at the pattern of what happens in energy before the market fails. Very consistent across the board as a, as a tell. And uh, it's because we don't have a resource-based economy, all right? We have an economy that allows mm-hmm. you to play accounting games, uh, right. inflate currencies, and do all this stuff that's not connected to the resources themselves, right. the resource allocation. And the right. most critical resource is existence. Right. And then, until right. we're aligned with existence, and not just existence for some people, you know, that some people have to have this great quality of existence. They need to have a temple, need to have a tower in the sky for their ego, you know, and look down on everyone else. You know, that kind of existence requires a bunch of other people who are basically losers on that, on that yardstick. It's bad for the brain. Yeah. Right. It's just bad for the brain. I mean, uh, you know, I, I would even say to get more specific, the, the greatest, most untapped resource is the brain, right? I mean, it's, it's the human mind. It's mind, our ability. Yeah. Yeah, it's our ability to understand and and think and everything else. And you know, we're we're. Uh, I, I think it's probably true but that it's not just the human mind. It's not just the human mind. It's everything. It's existence. It's existence. There is existence, and then there is non-existence. Particles come into existence and go out of existence. Right. You know. I right. Mean, you know, antimatter may just be like a kind of an accounting thing for physicists to explain right. why something gets canceled out. But there are particles that pop into existence and pop out of existence. You have done quantum teleportation. That's a real thing. Um, so things pop in and out and pop back in again. You know, So there is a binary state in terms of existence and non-existence. And existence is a thing that connects us all. Right. Right. And, you right. Know, it's not like, like, well, you know, we've got a new system that's you know, it's got it. Equanimity for all humans, but you know, fuck the polar bears. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not going to work. So, right, right, exactly. It, it, it comes down to that fundamental, you know, creating a philosophical system that's based on existence. And pragmatists would probably hate this idea, but at the same time, nothing is more pragmatic than the actual math of it. And if you sit down and you crunch the numbers, you know, and I'm sure it'll go over a lot of people's heads. Like, why do we even need to like, you know, uh, you know, I don't know what a double slit is and what do I care? What was I going to do with feeding my kids and stuff like right. that? That's always the, the yeah, response. It's got, it's got everything to feed you because we're going to reconfigure <clears throat> an economy where you have no problem feeding your kids. You have no problem achieving your own personal goals. Oh, that's right, just- not possible. That doesn't seem real. 
What's not possible about it? Just based off of the assumption, in other words, making it a most basic assumption that, you know, uh, there is no real separation between people and uh, um, no separation between people and things, people and each other, people and animals, people and everything. Just you are your environment and everything else. And, and uh, you know, by, by harming your environment, you're harming yourself and limiting your life. And so just by that basic assumption, we should therefore want to lift up all things. Exactly. 100%. You know, and uh, this idea that, um, let's say, you ask somebody, well, you know, why don't you help your neighbor? Why don't you help your brother? Whatever. And uh, they might respond, well, I'd like to, but I can't, you know, because I'm on my hustle right now and I've got to maximize my economic value. And if I don't, and my, my kids don't do this and do that. And like, whatever it was like, okay, your kids are going to be fine. Your yeah. kids are taken care of. Your, your dwelling, your food, it's, it's all there, you know. Um, is that something that would work for you? Is that something you think it can work? you know, that can work for you. And then you might have people that respond ideologically and say, uh, well, you know, how's that possible? You know, we're mm-hmm. just going to hand stuff out to people. Yeah. Because people actually aren't doing the work. Now, uh, we've got a lot of machines doing the work because we're fast approaching that version of society yeah. where machines can do a lot of that menial labor, you know, and we can spend more resources putting our minds to how we get machines to do that at a much larger scale. Right. You know, and when we can we can put a human in the loop, but we can also say that humans have the option of maybe stepping out of the loop, you know, and pursuing things that are more human. Yeah. If you ask people even, uh, you know, if all your needs were provided for, you're not going to go hungry, your family's going to be fine, you're not going to get sick, et cetera. Uh, so you don't need the particular job you're at. Is that really the job you want now? Is that what you really want to be doing with your life if you didn't have to do it just to survive? Yeah. And most people will tell you, no, they're not doing what they feel God, quote unquote, put them on this earth to do. They're not feeling fulfilled about it. They're yep. feeling dread under by it. Yep. That itself is a great human tragedy. to go to conclude this discussion on religion. 